ever wondered what your life would be like if you looked at it from another perspective? What could you learn by opening your mind to other ideas and concepts? Who would you become if you welcomed the possibilities and embraced new opportunities? Hi, I'm Denise Stiegel, CEO and curator at Living Healthy List and your host of The Wonder Series, where we're here to offer you the opportunity to think outside the box and wonder how you can create the life you've always desired, a life on purpose, by design, rather than by default or circumstance. Our weekly interviews feature world-class experts in various areas of health, wellness, personal growth, and fun who all inspire you with their insight and their wisdom. Receive tips and proven strategies that you can use right away. We are here to excite, engage, educate, and empower you to become the person you've always intended and create the healthy, happy, purpose-filled life that you have always dreamed of living. A new episode of The Wonder Series is released every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central Standard on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and give the Wonder Series a five-star rating. And while you're at it, please tell your friends about us too. Without further ado, welcome to the Wonder Series. What begins with wonder can become wonderful. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Wonder Series Wednesday. I'm Denise Stiegel. I am your host here uh, of the Wonder Series, and uh, Wonder Series is uh, sponsored by livinghealthylist.com, so go check it out. We are here every week at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time, and why are we here every week? To help you wonder and look outside the box. Think about life in a different way, from a different perspective, to open your mind to other opportunities, other thought processes, um, and other things that you may have heard about but don't have a lot of knowledge about. This is a place to not just wonder, but to get the information that you are looking for so you can incorporate that into your life. And essentially, how is that gonna help you to create that healthy, happy lifestyle that you are looking for? So today I have uh, a special guest, uh, my guest today is Susan Marks, or Nurse Susan. She has been a nurse for 40 years, and she, this is cool, she became a cannabis patient in an effort to manage her progressive neurological movement disorder. So a nurse that all of a sudden needed a nurse. And yes. something else. so really, really important uh, to understand, you know, where Susan, you know, where Susan's coming from. So she's worked with patients for the last seven years who have a medical condition that responds well to cannabis, including cancer, autoimmune diseases, menopause, chronic pain, insomnia, anxiety, depression, uh, and many more. Um, I think most of us have heard of cannabis. We know we've heard that, you know, um, CBD, but we may not really understand what it is and what it does. And I'm really excited to have Susan here to explain that to us. So Susan, welcome. Oh, thank you, Denise. It's, I'm thrilled to be here. I love talking about the subject. I love, you know, kind of opening people's eyes to this wonderful tool that we all have. And um, it's been a life changer for me. And I'm very grateful to this plant. I love working with my patients to help them 
you know, feel better and have a higher quality of life to be healthier. Uh, it's a very rewarding, it's probably the best nursing job I've ever had. So, so I'm very happy to be here. That's wonderful. I'm, gl I'm, I'm really glad that we, that we've connected. Um, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about your journey um, and, and how you got to where you are today, where you are, you're helping patients. You've always helped patients in your career, but now you're doing that in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. So I got in, I, so I was never a cannabis user, you know, in college. I, I smoked a few times, but I never liked it. I much preferred my wine. So, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got to pick your poison. So, <laughs> So um, it, when I, probably about 20 years ago, the symptoms of uh, my neurological movement disorder, it's a condition called essential tremor. And basically it just gets worse over time. And about the time that I hit menopause, it was off the charts. I couldn't drink out of a glass. Um, my voice was very, very shaky. Um, I could do very few things with my hands. Uh, eating was always a problem, so I basically stopped going to restaurants because people would look at me like, is she a drug addict? <laughs> and I'd be dropping food off my floor. You know, it was just, it was depressing. It caused me a lot of anxiety. It's a condition that runs in my family. And uh, one of my older brothers, who's 10 years older than I am, uh, he was at the, you know, at the stage where his condition had progressed so far that he needed to have brain surgery. The usual way that they treat essential tremor is they put you on anticonvulsants to stop the movements. Okay. And uh, so what they do is the condition gets worse, they increase the dose of those very toxic, heavy duty, brain altering drugs. Um, and once you get to a toxic level, then they have to switch you to another one. Right. And they do the same thing. So my brother had gone through all of the different medications that were available to him. And so his next step was brain surgery. So. At the time, I started just going nuts with my movements. He was preparing to have brain surgery. It's called deep brain stimulation. Wow. Put all of this together with menopause, and I was basically a wreck. Uh, I saw my future as being very depressing. I couldn't do nursing work because, you know, nobody's going to want me to put in an IV with my hands going like this, you know, so... So it affected my career, it affected my social life, it affected my mental health. And um, so the, the medications that, that I was on, um, they're barbiturate anticonvulsants and they scared the living you know what out of me because I'm not, I was not on any other medications. So mm -hmm. to go from zero to 60 with these you know, really strong, heavy-duty medicines, it really, I mean, it altered me to the point where I, it frightened me. So I thought, okay, I, I have to find something else. I can't, I cannot do it this way. Uh, so I got online. I started doing a lot of medical research and looking at different things, and I literally stumbled on cannabis. 
before that, people would talk about medical cannabis or medical marijuana, and I would just roll my eyes. I mean, I knew it had certain effects, especially with cancer patients that relieved pain and nausea and all of those things. But um, it wasn't until I got into all of the medical research that's been done since the early 60s that my mind was blown. And I, you know, I started thinking, first of all, why aren't healthcare people talking about this? This is a fantastic tool. And then the second thing was, I'm going to tell as many people who are willing to listen to me about this so that they know it's available to them and they don't have to be frightened. We've all been bamboozled to think that cannabis or marijuana, um, which is a derogatory slang, uh, cannabis is the scientific name. Uh, it's been used as medicine for more than 5,000 years. And it was the most widely prescribed medicine in the United States until uh, they, they uh, banned it with the Marijuana Tax Act. And it was mainly, it had nothing to do with the qualities of the drug or anything. It had to do with some very powerful men who had investments that cannabis was a huge threat to hemp, whether it was paper or artificial uh, fabrics. Um, pharmaceutical industry at that time was just starting to blossom. So hemp was a real threat. So, and in fact, the American Medical Association testified before Congress and said, you shouldn't be banning this because we use it for everything. It works for everything, but we don't know why it works for everything. So they went ahead and passed it anyway. When was this? Like this was in 1934, I think, 1937, something like that. So, yeah, okay, so that's interesting. So really in, in, in that time of, you know, kind of like Gilded Age when, you know, the people who had money had a lot of money and a lot of power. Yes, exactly. So the people I'm talking about are Andrew Mellon, who was the Secretary of the Treasury, Randolph Hearst, DuPont. I mean, these were, you know, like the elite. Yeah. Um, and they wield a lot of power. And therefore, it's been really kind of heartbreaking when you think about how beneficial this could have been over all of these years. And uh, the wonderful thing now is that we are doing more research and we're finding how it's, you know, not only effective, but it works when nothing else works. Like these kids who have Dravet's or Lennox-Gesto, which is intractable epilepsy. This is kind of what brought CBD to the mainstream. Yep. It was through that, that Charlotte I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I so, remember like there was a, a, a family from locally from here that moved to uh, uh, Colorado for that purpose. Yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of people had to move to Colorado and they're, you know, basically cannabis refugees because they couldn't get it in their state. Well, luckily, because of the farm bill in 2018, now we can get the other cannabinoids. We still are restricted on THC which is basically under the Controlled Substances Act. But in the plant itself, there are about 140 so far 
compounds called cannabinoids. CBD is a cannabinoid, THC is a cannabinoid, and each cannabinoid, as they do their research, they're finding different medical applications for it. Um, so when, when I work with my clients, most of what they use is not psychoactive. Most of my clients, they don't want to get high. They just want relief. They want to feel better. They want to be able to sleep. They want to not be in pain all the time. They want to keep their food down. You know, pretty basic quality of life issues. So, so anyway, so, um, um, so when I work with clients, especially those who are remote to me, um, most of their protocol I can send to them in the mail because it's not psychoactive. It's CBD, it's CBN, it's THCV, it's a lot of the other cannabinoids that are very effective for medical conditions. Now, a lot of times they do require some THC. Some people think, oh, THC is a recreational part and CBD is the medical part. THC is very medically active and is a godsend, um, but it's been demonized. And we've, like I said, been bamboozled to think that cannabis is some scary drug. It's safer than aspirin. It's safer than coffee. It's safer than Advil. You know, there are, there are, um, I think at the last numbers I looked at, it was about 600,000 people are admitted to the hospital for GI ulcers and bleeding from the Advils. They have sudden cardiac arrest. You know, these aren't the benign over-the-counter drugs that we've been told to believe and cannabis isn't the scary, you know, devil's weed or whatever that, um, that they've tried to convince us of. The thing that, I, so I always think of, you know, when I think cannabis, marijuana, you know, the, the, you know, the teenagers sitting, you know, kind of hanging out, like that's, that's still my image, but that's very different from what you're doing with your, with your, and, and really what, what's out on the market today that you're helping your clients with. Um, so when people kind of say, oh yeah, you know, they're just people, a bunch of people sitting around getting high. I mean, you know, what's your, like what, I, I'm sure you laugh at that, but what's your um, response to that when people are like, oh, I don't want to be like, you know, like that person, you know, like mm -hmm. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> right. Oh, you know, there's an 80s movie. I just. Uh, uh huh. Or there was also that stoner movie where he comes stumbling out of the VW van. I can't remember the name. But anyway, yes, yeah. Times at Ridgemont High. Yes, yes, that's it. How funny. <laughs> no, it's nothing like that. So cannabis can be used recreationally. Now, it's important to distinguish um, people who say, you know, in, when I get home from work, instead of having a drink, I like to have a joint just so I can relax. That's really a medicinal purpose. That's the anxiolytic properties of cannabis that reduce anxiety. They elevate the mood. Um, it's an antidepressant. So, you know, if you're just looking for a high, that's a whole other arena. 
And um, there are people who, you know, if it weren't cannabis, it would be something else. They're looking for that high. They're looking for the thrill or the whatever. I mean, people can overdose on cheeseburgers, but they're not going to. That's why we have an epidemic of obesity in this country. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, but you don't. That's a really good point, Susan. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And cheeseburgers are more dangerous than cannabis. Nobody in the history of the world has died from a cannabis overdose. And it is actually helping with the opioid epidemic in our country. Um, the other thing is um, a, one of the one of the kind of objections that I get from a new patient is I don't want to get the munchies. I don't want to gain weight. I don't want, and I, and I always say to them, okay, picture in your mind the typical stoner. Is he a really fat guy or is he this lanky, skinny guy? That's a very good point, too. (laughs) (laughs) And that's because there's a yin and yang property to cannabis. There are some cannabinoids like CBD and THCB that suppress the appetite which is good for people who have weight issues and metabolic issues, diabetes, et cetera. Then you have the THC, which is an appetite stimulant. So if you've got AIDS or you have a wasting disease or your end stage cancer and, you know, end of life, that can be a godsend because it can help the patient maintain their nutritional status, their hydration status. It elevates their mood. They laugh. They can interact with their family. Um, as opposed to high doses of morphine and other opioids that have been the traditional approach to that stage of life. So, so there are so many, um, there are so many benefits to, um, to using cannabis in lieu of other prescription medications. Um, the, the thing about prescription medications is they're basically just one molecule that attaches to a particular receptor that creates a response. With cannabis, there are receptors all over your body and you can use one tincture of cannabis that has a variety of the different compounds in it, the CBD, THC, CBN, whatever, and the terpenoids or the terpenes, which are the essential oils, they also have medicinal properties. So in one dose of a tincture, you have anti-inflammatory properties, analgesic properties, you have sedation, you have uh, anti-anxiety, you have anti-depression. Most people over the age of 70 are on at least some of those medications. Awesome. So That's true. some people are on five, 15, 20 different prescription drugs, five, by eliminating those prescriptions and i'm not saying anybody should do this they need to talk to their doctor and it's all very individualized so but and i've seen it over and over again with my patients where they are able to either reduce the dose of their prescription meds or get off of them completely and that goes for chemotherapy with cancer patients when you augment the chemotherapy and radiation and surgical um, treatments with cannabis, it potentiates the effect of the of the chemotherapy, so they don't have to take as much. 
maybe they can shave two or three weeks off of their chemo schedule because wow, that would be amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. And the thing about chemo versus versus uh, cannabis. And again, I would never recommend to anybody that they forego Western medicine in order to use cannabis. Um, but cannabis does not kill healthy cells. Chemotherapy does. That's why you lose your hair. That's why you vomit. That's why you have diarrhea is because it's killing your healthy cells. So, uh, so there are a lot of there, there are a lot of different reasons for all different kinds of medical issues as to why you could, should consider at least augmenting your treatment with cannabis and working with somebody who really knows how to use the different compounds to get the best effect. And I think that's what, that's really important because there are a lot of products on the market. Um, I, I, I have a, a, two people that I know who sell different products that have um, uh, CBD in it. I mean, skincare products, whatever. They don't know. They just know this product is supposed to be good for you. Yeah. Or you know, and the one company has, you know, um, a tincture that's relief. One of them is tension. I don't know what's in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know that the people that are selling it know what's in it. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably one of my, um, you know, primary public service statements is never use any CBD or any kind of uh, tinctures that have not been lab tested, mm -hmm. whether it's anything you ingest in your mouth for a couple of reasons. The plant itself, hemp or cannabis, is a bioaccumulator. So they plant hemp in areas where there have been either a nuclear disaster or some sort of a toxic spill because it cleans the soil. It sucks up all of the stuff into the plant. And so if you aren't using plant material that has been very well controlled and all of that, you may end up with heavy metals, with pesticides, with molds, with bacterias, and you obviously don't want that in your medicine. So I tell everybody, don't ever take any product unless it's been lab tested. That's like the seal of quality for these products. And they will, they will showcase, they're called COA, Certificate of Analysis, and some, some websites just say lab results always make sure you go on there because not only you can ensure what's not in there but you can also ensure that there's even cbd in there a lot of these products you know they do those secret shopper things and they don't even have any cbd in them you know and they use deceptive kind of ingredient descriptions like they'll say hemp seed oil you know, and hemp seeds have no cannabinoids in them. There is absolutely no CBD in hemp seeds. No, I, was no. Gonna say, I put them on my oatmeal. I didn't, didn't I, I never, you know, I never even thought about that because, you know, they're different. They're the seeds. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's one of the challenges um, with the internet is there's so much out there and there are shops popping up all over the place. Where were we recently? Uh, we were back on the East Coast. And there are huge signs, of, you know, for this, this location or that location, this dot. And, you know, I just, you know, not being in the know, what do you, you drive in and say, hey, sell me something. 
And mm -hmm. I think that to me is scary. Yeah, yeah, so. it is. Because, and it's not just the potential harm that's there, but when people are looking for a solution and they use a product that doesn't have CBD in it and they don't get a good response, they're like, oh, cannabis doesn't work doesn't for me. Work. And then they miss out on something that could be incredible for them. Right. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier, um, and I'm more familiar with this, is the um, essential oils. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we, they've been using essential oils for thousands of years too. And, you know, here, I mean, it's, it's a big business. And again, with those products, I, I also say to people, you know, just make sure you know where you're getting it from, you know, where it's coming from. So people are okay with the idea of uh, essential oils and how they have, you know, medicinal purpose. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Processes. Um, but why is it, you know, but when it comes to cannabis or hemp what is the what's the right are they both correct what's the right term so so they're the same plant basically it's cannabis sativa l is the is the biological name for it the difference between hemp and cannabis is basically a political distinction cannabis has more than 0.3 percent thc in it okay. hemp has less than point three percent THC so cannabis is controlled and hemp isn't hemp okay. can be shipped across state lines cannabis you can't you know you can't take it across state lines you, you know it's controlled if you are caught with it on federal land whether it's a national park or a airport mm -hmm. you're on federal land it's federally illegal you could be arrested Gotcha. So there are a lot of there are a lot of considerations that patients need to know about to you know protect them their health and their liberty. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and a lot of people don't even know that the um, the United States government has a patent on cannabinoids, which are the compounds in the cannabis plant. So they have a a patent on the cannabinoids as anti-inflammatories, antioxidants, neuroprotectants that, and they list specifically the diseases that they know not only prevent them, but are there to treat and help cure them. And they include Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, all of these diseases that cause so much suffering, not only for the patient, but for their families. And they've had this patent since the early 2000s. This isn't something that's new to them. So on the one hand, they understand the medical uses of cannabis because they have a patent on the medical uses of cannabis, but they schedule it as a schedule one drug. And the definition of a schedule one drug is there are no medical uses, highly addictive and dangerous. Oh. Cannabis couldn't be further from that definition. So it's all, it's political, it's, political. it's mm -hmm. yeah. But one of the things that I always like to really kind of stress with people who are kind of new to this area is don't believe what you've been told, mm -hmm. look to the medical literature, talk to, well, a lot of times physicians don't even know that much about it at this stage, just Google anybody who's interested in this, just Google the endocannabinoid system. 
So the endocannabinoid system, we all have one, and it is basically, its function is to maintain balance in the body. So it communicates with every other system in the body. So that's why cannabis is just as helpful for pediatric seizures as it is for multiple sclerosis and cancer. It's because it's a neurotransmitter. It's a, it's a, um, a system that is constantly checking in with all the other systems of our body to maintain homeostasis, to maintain a holistic, healthy environment. And it, it is able to maintain that balance because we produce our own cannabinoids. So we produce in our body molecules that are literally identical to CBD and to THC. And so they, our body, our endocannabinoid system uses those endocannabinoids to do the work to figure out whatever in the body is out of balance. And let me tell you, we all have cancer cells all the time and it's our immune system that identifies them as out of balance and it, you know, it wipes them out. But this is what the endocannabinoid system does in our entire body and cannabis is basically giving that system the raw materials that it needs Mm. to heal us from the inside. It's the master healer of our body and cannabis is what it uses, cannabinoids are what it uses to maintain our health. So so interestingly, my correlation to this is, you know, my, my deal is always eat real food. So I want people to eat the best nutritious real foods out there because it's good for our body. It's good for our health. It's what our body needs. That's exactly. And you just said the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And that's another point. Every time you say something, it like sparks my, my thoughts and things I want to mention. But, you know, cannabis is wonderful. It's fantastic. It changed my life. I've seen it change, you know, hundreds of people's lives. But the fact is, it is not a silver bullet. It is not a magical cure. If you're going to eat donuts every day and you have arthritis and you think cannabis is going to solve that while you continue to eat your donuts, it's not going to happen. So you have to eat healthy food. You're going to have to make some lifestyle changes. And, you know, but to be able to have a substance available to you that not only prevents some very devastating diseases, but um, can also help you improve your quality of life, meaning you sleep better, you aren't anxious, depressed, um, you have an elevated mood, your inflammation is down, your pain levels are down. It's, it's, um, and it's non-toxic. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting as we're ta- talking about this, there was something in the, the New York Times couple of Sundays ago that um, kids, mostly teen, older teenagers to early 20s, are more and more being uh, prescribed antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds. Um, I mean, to the point where it's like every other person you talk to, their, their kid is, is you know, on one of these drugs nowadays. Um, and so it's interesting that there's such a miscommunication with the medical world and uh, the 
the medical information that's apparently there about um, the the cannabis and the cannabinoid system. Um, are are there is there anything in particular like a study or something that we could look at? Because I'm always interested in reading those. Um, if you have those, well, I'd love to have them to put in the show notes. Sure, I'd be happy to. Now the question is is singling out one of them. Like you were mentioning, the, the drugs, the very heavy-duty drugs that are prescribed to kids, like methamphetamines for kids who have ADHD. I think if you, if you go on to, uh, you do a search uh, under PubMed, which is the, basically the medical database under the National Institutes of Health, where it lists all the studies that have been done. If you put in there cannabis or marijuana or cannabinoids, you're going to get about 25,000 results. If you do that same search uh -huh. for Ritalin or for Adderall or for any of these other drugs that kids are getting, there may be at the most a dozen. So this plant has been studied wow. by, a, you know, whatever, 25-fold more than than these drugs that we give to kids that we know are methamphetamine, yeah. you know, and that's another thing cannabis is good for autism, you know, kids on the spectrum, especially if they're self-injurious, um, ADHD, PTSD. Um, I mean, I could I could just make a list. Well, there's, there's definitely more for us to talk about. So I hope, uh, Susan, that this is one of many conversations that we have here on the Wonder Series. Um, this is a great introduction um, to cannabis and, and, and really the benefits. You know, we hear lots of stories, you know, but we also, you know, have our biases. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think there, there, there needs to be this, now is the time for them to come together, you know, to, exactly. you know truth and fiction. Um, uh, needs to, we need to be really clear what it is. And if this can help so many problems that we go through, I mean, we were saying earlier, like I have this, this thing going on in my shoulder and it's been for there for four days and nothing's made, nothing, I'm getting no relief. Um, you know, I'm 51 years old. So there's a transition period in my life that's happening. And, you know, there's, there are limited um, products out there for menopausal women. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, oh, will, God, this has been great. This has been so fun. So I will make sure that everyone has your contact information on the um, in the show notes so they can connect with you. Any uh, last thought before we before we sign off? Well, I will. Um, I'll send you some links to some YouTube's YouTube videos of parents who are using ca cannabis for all different kinds for adults who use it. And, and when you actually see somebody who has got Parkinson's disease with the dyskinesia and the movements, gets their first dose of cannabis, and all of a sudden they talk normally, they, they aren't moving, they're still, they're alert, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe this. There's no denying it. So that when I do my educational stuff, I often show some of these videos. So I'll send them to you. You can put them in the show notes. And, and if people are interested, they can take a look. 
Please do. I think it'll be, I think it's great. Thank you for this, uh, you know, truly for this education. I mean, it's been a great conversation, but it's really been incredibly educational. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. And hopefully I'll see you soon. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so, Denise. Thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the Wonder Series. We're here every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure you put that on your calendar. Um, until next time, I leave you with this. Start wondering and start living. Have a great <laughs> week, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to The Wonder Series, brought to you by Living Healthy List. If you're interested in joining us as an expert guest on The Wonder Series, then please email us at support at livinghealthylist.com. And if you're ready to stop wondering and start creating that life you've always dreamed of, then join the Living Healthy List Coaching Club today. For more information, click the link in the show notes or visit us at livinghealthylist.com. Join us next Wednesday for another edition of the Wonder Series. Till then, I leave you with this, healthy living, happy life.